Hello, this is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working with People by PaveStep. The Working with People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Garrison here with us again today. How are you, Garrison? Thanks for coming back. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well as I could, being locked down a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Definitely, definitely starting to feel the boredom, that's for sure. Why don't we get started? So first, remind us who you are and what you do for those of us uh, who've, who've listened to you a while back or who haven't listened to the Performance Management for Startups podcast. My name is Garrison. I run HR at Notch, which is a marketing technology platform. We're about 55 people and we're definitely in the hyper growth stage of our company prior to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. We still are very much growing but definitely not as quickly as we were when you and I last chatted. We're going to be expanding likely to 75 over the next year. So a little bit slower than we had anticipated, but yeah, I handle everything from strategy to compensation and Ben to overall culture, recruiting and talent. So a little bit of a generalist Mm. in terms of my scope of work. Right. It's a lot of stuff. (laughs) Exactly. So the COVID-19 pandemic and the work from home environment, they've been good for some, okay for some, not so great for some. But I do think most people agree that one of the biggest challenges that companies are facing is building social connections within this remote team environment, because you can't just walk down the hall, grab a lunch, grab coffee and talk to people face to face. So this is the big topic for us today. And I would love to you know, hear your thoughts. First question for me is, what are some of the common communication or relationship challenges that you've seen with remote employees? So we had about five remote employees prior to this mm. pandemic starting. And so we definitely were an in-office culture. And now looking back, while I thought we did a great job in terms of managing our remote workforce, I definitely see some lags and, and truly see now how much we relied on being in the office. And so I've actually reached out to most of our remote employees, kind of apologizing to a certain extent, just in terms of really the sheer volume to which you have to reach out and understanding the volume to which you have to attempt to connect just to keep some semblance of what we had in the office. So Mm. we've definitely seen parts of this pandemic and the adjustment to remote workforce be easier than anticipated in terms of productivity, I would say, has remained high. People have definitely remained pretty energetic and pretty visible online. Morale has remained okay. A lot of the morale issues that we face within our organization are probably not asimilar to those that are being faced Mm -hmm. in other organizations. It's really a matter of life outside of work. And there's only so much that life at work can do to really counteract that. So we can throw as many culture events against the wall and pad the calendar with different ways to connect, but there still is life outside of work that's looking pretty dim. And so we actually got the feedback early on to really just keep it simple, add some programming that's optional, have some check-ins here or there as a team, and stay connected via Slack. Don't require Zoom cameras to be on. Um, So we've really evolved since, I think, day one. And Mm. I really have an appreciation for the people that have worked remote in environments that are in office because it definitely is much easier when everyone is in the same predicament and everyone is remote. 
than it is to have a handful here or there. I'm learning. And I've always worked in an environment in my career where we've had a few remote employees, but most of the employees have been in the office. And so I now am seeing things differently as a leader in terms of how to manage remote people effectively and how to ensure that your office, if it is an in-office, quote unquote, mm-hmm. culture, can really work to involve and include remote people more. I thought we did a good job of that before, but now I definitely think we can do an even better job moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting. My team is remote, and I think I actually resonate really well with what you just talked about around we thought we were doing a pretty decent job of keeping everyone engaged. And then the COVID hit and I myself felt the true impact of the lockdown because I was always out meeting people, talking to different people. And then one weekend I was like, okay, we need more. (laughs) We need to do something more than just checking in on Slack, checking in on Zoom, whatever it is, once a week or twice a week. Uh, So we've definitely seen that shift as well. I like what you talked about in terms of keeping it light and recognizing that there's only so much you can do from a work perspective. There is something really heavy going on outside of work, and it's affecting everyone in different ways, mostly negative at a personal level. I think a lot of organizations just need to be mindful of and careful of. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's easy to over-index on the culture piece, just Mm -hmm. given that you want to, especially as a people leader or as a leader in general, You want to keep everyone together and you want to be the glue that binds the company. But I do think that this epidemic has required us all to be that glue naturally and bond together in unique ways. And I think a lot of people, given the darkness that's happening outside, as well Mm -hmm. as the economic uncertainty of the future, are definitely feeling very, very inspired and or invigorated to do work and they're looking for a distraction and they have their kids at home and they have Mm -hmm. their partners in the house and there's just a lot going on and people are trying their best to keep some semblance of normal and I think work can be that semblance of normal if you're being productive and doing the things that you do every day in a typical normal quote-unquote world that we used to live in and so I think over leaders can easily over index on doing too much and making too much mandatory, making too much out of the culture and doing a little bit too much. We were guilty of that early on. And it was advice that was a little bit hard to swallow because I obviously wanted to ensure that we were right. connecting enough, but it's something that I think is really important to really understand. Like, why are you doing a culture initiative? Why are you connecting? What is the purpose of connecting? What are you, mm-hmm. Who are you centering? What are the expectations out of that? And just trying to acknowledge that and make sure that you're also giving people the freedom and flexibility to have life outside of work and deal with everything that they're dealing with. Right. So on that topic, right, what are some of the unique initiatives that you've done or other lead- you've seen other leaders do to make remote employees feel a little bit more connected and develop a good remote company culture without, of course, overstepping? What are some of the things that you and your team are doing? Early on, we established some very easy team check-ins. So we used to do a lot of stand-ups or a lot of just when people got in the office in the morning, a team would kind of gather quickly and talk through a few high-level things every day. And so we copied those over to being virtual. I think early on, a lot of employees thought that it was a little bit of a big brother watching them, making sure that they're working, are you being productive kind of check-in. And so really challenging the leaders and the individuals to come to those meetings the same way they would in person and try to talk through a challenge that they're facing or something difficult that's happening both at work or maybe even in life, just trying to make sure that it's from a place of connection and a place Mm -hmm. of learning from each other 
rather than a check-in, quote-unquote, to see if someone's clocked in or clocked out. And so I think we've pivoted there. In terms of culture events, we have an internal culture committee who's really done an amazing job of thinking of creative ideas, whether that's creating fun Slack channels, like what are you watching on Netflix or work from home, cooking uh, photos, Mm -hmm. dog photos. We did a baby photo quiz where everyone submitted a baby (laughs) photo and we kind of guessed who the baby was. We've done a lot of creative ideas there. We have a few employees who have chosen to do their own meditation and allow people to hop on their Mm -hmm. Zoom and do it. So we have these, what I call like grassroots culture initiatives that have happened. And I've learned that the more grassroots they are and the more employee-led they are, the more successful they seem to be, just because it's coming from a place of camaraderie versus leadership planning, some formal culture event. In terms of the remote work environment, we've given our employees $200 to use for a monitor or a screen. So we did that in early March when we thought that this crisis would be about four to eight weeks. And then we quickly realized that it was going to be longer. So once we called it till October, we actually gave another $200 to our existing employees because we realized that a lot of them had ended up buying a monitor and they really wish they would have bought a printer or, you know, had they known that they were going to be working from home way more, they would have bought something else. And so Mm. we gave another $200 in an effort to really allow people to build a more permanent workspace, which I think has been really well received We have always had a mental health benefit. It was mostly used by people either for their therapy or for acupuncture or for even like their gym membership. Mm -hmm. And so as some of those external partners have become less possible, like a gym, we've extended that to be used on a wellness app, used towards like Netflix even or towards Mm -hmm. any of their expenses that they can sell. We've stretched and our finance person might be a little frustrated at how how much technically can count as quote unquote mental wellness, but we're really trying to make sure that people can just continue to use the benefits that they already had given how difficult things are. So we definitely adjusted all of our benefits. And then from a comms perspective, really being as proactive as possible. So it seems like a very tough call to move remote when we did. We moved in early March. So we moved a little bit earlier than most. Right. And so that seemed very early and very proactive. And I was almost a little uncertain if it was the right choice to make because I I really thought once we go to remote, we won't really be able to go back if things get worse. And obviously things got worse. And so we've been remote for some time. And so even making the call for October at the time that we did was very proactive and very early and seemed very intense call to make. And then two weeks later, Twitter was announcing Google, all these platforms were announcing that they were calling it for the rest of the year. So we've been very proactive. And I think it really has come from a place of wanting to give our employees as much peace of mind as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's a cautious and careful approach to comms because you have to sell the why, because calling till October for many people could be very scary because it means that we're making a prediction that this won't get better by October. And so it's a careful right. calm strategy of saying, no, even if it does get better, we're really trying to make sure that you guys have the peace of mind that you, you're not going to be asked and required to be back in New York until at least October. So whatever that means for you, whether that means you want to go move to LA for the summer, we've had people that have gone to Cape Cod for the summer. It's really allowed people the flexibility to just think of their current situation as a little bit more permanent so they can make the decisions they made. Because some of our employees flock to their parents' homes, and I'm sure 
knowing that they might be there till October might want them to change where they're staying a little bit. So it just really gives people the peace of mind. And so I think that's something on the comm side that I've really been pushing is just be proactive and really think about what your employees want from you as a leader and build comp strategy that's for them. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And looking back at it, it was the right decision, the overly cautious decision. Yeah, absolutely. I, what I've learned in terms of decision-making and communication, particularly in a remote environment, and I think this will be true for any remote environment, regardless of the epidemic outside, is just being clear, being concise, and try to be as quick and efficient as possible when it comes to comms. I think in previous worlds and or previous roles as an HR person, it was always a carefully thought out comm strategy. Like HR drafted it. We moved it to marketing. Some comms person reviewed it. We had an internal comms manager that maybe edited it and then we sent it out. That world is over and done. And we've always been pushing for a more transparent future of work. And I I think this crisis has really created that and forced that hand a little bit, particularly important for remote workers. You know, if you're on a Zoom, you share some very, very important piece of communication and someone happens to not be listening or their kid starts crying during it and they have to step away, that person's missed that update. Making sure you're emailing, making sure you're slacking, I think over-indexing and making sure that every piece of communication has got landed with everyone, particularly very important communication, like when reintegration might be happening or what expectations are coming from employees. You just can't over communicate too much. You can over exert and overextend on the culture on kind of the connection piece. You can exhaust people with zoom fatigue, but you can't over index on communication. People want as much communication as possible. And we've even seen that we actually have a COVID-19 channel where people can share COVID-19 related news. And that way Mm -hmm. people that don't want to see it don't have to be in the channel and we've forced everybody to, in, on Slack, only communicate about COVID in terms of the actual hard news around the right. disease in that channel. So that for certain people that deal with anxiety around an issue, they can avoid that channel, whereas others right. can do it. Making sure that communication has clear channels and clear ways of getting to everybody in a remote mm-hmm. environment is something that's challenging, but something that we're going to have to do. And then just making sure that The communication is frequent and topical and as up-to-date as possible. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. With these initiatives, how do you assess when they're working and when they're not? How are you collecting that feedback or data? So we have ramped up the number of employee engagement surveys we Mm. typically do during this crisis. So we've actually done two since this crisis started. We've always had anonymous questions where we've allowed people to ask anonymous questions and answer them in company meetings, but we've actually created an HR suggestion box. So a lot of people have been able to just add random thoughts around this information wasn't on our internet, remote onboarding. This was hard because of this not being created. So that HR suggestion box has been huge for us. We added a FAQ sheet of frequently asked questions for uh, remote onboarding that we didn't have before. We had all the information scattered across different documents, but we didn't really have like a FAQ sheet that would populate the top questions that people would ask. We've really clarified our internet in an effort to really make sure that people have a clear place to go and find everything they need just to reduce the amount that people get slacked or emailed asking for documentation, which really we really saw an increase of working remotely. And we've leaned in on open communication, open feedback, radical candor when it comes to feedback. I've actually done regular check-ins with a handful of employees and done more random check-ins with other employees, just ask them. How are we doing? What do you think about this possibility that we're thinking about? 
right. and do pulse checks and different culture checks that way has been really meaningful. So I'm fortunate that we've always been in an environment where people openly share. And mm-hmm. I think this environment has pushed people to do that even more. And if you are in a culture where people aren't as engaged or aren't as open with their engagement, any type of anonymous question or any type of anonymous feedback is important to do so that you get that information. The difficulty mm-hmm. is once you offer that and once you have people submit questions anonymously or feedback anonymously, you do have to do something with it because it is anonymous. Those people will get frustrated if you don't answer it or if you don't update on how you're solving or how you're gathering that feedback. So just know that whatever you put out there, you have to answer and speak for. My advice would be don't over-index on the employee engagement slash anonymous feedback side if you're in a culture that's resistant to change. If you're not, then it's definitely a, a meaningful platform for you. And then I, I have also done the due diligence on my end to just connect with more people. I'm surprised in a 55% company like, who I haven't connected with in weeks, just given mm. the fact that we're not physically in the office. Right. And so I'm really taking the challenge on myself to make sure that even if it's just a simple Slack, trying to connect with people on a similar cadence or some semblance of how it would be if we were in the office kitchen together. Right. When we talked on our last podcast, you talked about the ability to embrace change. This is, I think, really important time to have that mentality. So what happens when an employee is struggling? How do you tell when someone's struggling? In person, you can see this person is taking sick days. This person isn't going to lunch with people. Or there are things that you can do to see and feel when people are struggling with either loneliness or lack of focus. How do you do that in a remote environment? That's a meaningful question. I think a lot of the remote environment is only hearing the loudest voices. And as an HR person, I actually struggled a lot the first four weeks, four to five weeks. And I was constantly in my one-on-ones with my CEO sharing how difficult I was finding it to gauge morale and gauge how people are because I was only connecting with the people that were happy because they were the people that were reaching out to me. And I didn't know as an HR person how much I relied on in-person communication, in-person visibility. You know, you can read a lot from body language, from gestures, from if someone's in the office versus if they're not, if someone's showing up late to work, if someone's, you know, checking out early. Um, There's so much of the HR world that you can be pervy to that you're not really surprised when a manager's like, this person's not performing because you've probably seen it in some way or gotten the feedback in some way. And so there were just a lot of surprises in terms of which people were struggling and why. And I just felt two steps behind for about four to five weeks. And it really was an, an effort by me to change the way in which I saw engagement and change the way in which I saw improvement in learning that visibility isn't as important as overall productivity and overall morale. And they're not necessarily representative of each other. Some of our quietest people in terms of team meetings and or Slack and or email are our most productive. And Mm -hmm. if you check in with them are the happiest. So everyone just needs something different. And especially in an epidemic where our personal reactions and the ways in which we personally handle crisis are all very, very different. It's a very interesting work environment to be in because everyone is on a different wavelength and any communication and or any decision could be taken differently by people. And so I've really taken upon myself to be very vulnerable and very open about how I'm struggling and how I'm feeling as a leader. And I've 
seen that has gotten more people to connect with me, whether they're in a positive place or whether they're in a more negative place. And so mm-hmm. I really doubled down on, well, if I can't hundred percent gauge and have everyone reach out to me and tell me exactly how they're feeling, I'm going to tell them how I'm feeling and see if that gets an increase of feedback. And so that's really been helpful. Mm. It's also been really interesting to hear how people handle crisis differently and trying to understand and give people the permission to go through that process, the grieving process, so to speak, um, around the crisis. I've been really pushing managers to be more forgiving. We've had obviously a few blowups, a few people get really angry at times, Mm -hmm. a few people get really uh, distant and or, you know, not as reachable as they used to be. And I think it's just giving people permission to kind of go through the things that they're going through and just create a culture where people feel open saying, Hey, just so you know, I'm going through this today and I just need a moment or I need today off. Um, We rolled out a mandatory break um, every day from one to 2 PM regardless of time zone in an effort to not really be a lunch break, but really just to be a, time where we don't have any internal external meetings where we don't do any slack or emails and so everyone just has the ability to do whatever it is they need to do and that was really well received by our employees i think our next phase will eventually be like pushing people to work more consistent hours and have a life outside of our workplace as the world starts picking up but also understanding too that everyone's life and everyone's home situation is different and so people with kids might have to take more breaks throughout the day to teach their kids while they're still homeschooling. People with partners might have to pace out their day to work when their partner's not working, if they're sharing a space. And so just really being flexible and allowing people to do the work when they need to do the work and be available and online when they need to be available. And I think just giving people more flexibility. And I hope as life outside of work picks back up and we allow our employees to continue to be remote during that, and not ask too much of our employees in terms of commuting to and from work, that they're able to have better morale in their personal life. And that feeds into the work life over the next several months. And so really try not to push too hard at work and let people deal with what they're dealing with. I think creating space is is definitely helpful this time. And it's a hard balance figuring out flexibility versus having everyone on the same wavelength during the same time zones. It's It's never easy. But it sounds like you guys are thinking about it the right way and going about it the right way. Trying. We're navigating uncharted territory. And so (laughs) everything I say is the things I've learned over the last 12 to 13 weeks that we've been remote. But I definitely think we have a lot more to learn. And I think one of the things I've been fascinated by and the things I've been reviewing in the HR community is just the future of work concept and how much thought and ideation and debate went into that conversation around digital transformation. And to me, as a millennial, it always seems like this distant transformation that was going to happen in 10 to 20 years. And by that point, I would be in the later stage of my career and or going towards retirement. And there would be this entire workforce underneath me that would be working in a completely different world than the world that I currently live in. And to see that switch flipped overnight and to see in many ways how prepared we were for it in terms of having technologies like Zoom or Google Hangout, like Slack, like email, to see how easily people were able to shift to webinars and to see webinars as a function really shift from being like weird. And I don't know, I always saw webinars as being like (laughs) very tech generated. The technologies of the world were doing virtual webinars and it was like this 
this weird event and no, I'm always going to be an in-person event person. Right. And to see us all kind of have to shift to being webinar focused and see that webinars actually do work has been a really amazing force of the hand to witness, particularly on the event side of businesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I think too, just remote workforces, we've seen data on the HR side for a decade or more that remote work actually leads to more productivity. And there's been this hesitancy in corporate America to remain in the office. And we saw as companies started shifting to remote workforces and seeing results, there were companies that were doubling down on the opposite end, offering perks and benefits and cold brew on tap and culture as a means of getting people into the office as a response to that. And so I've always been fascinated by those trends. And Mm -hmm. to me, we're navigating this uncharted territory and trying to learn and try to do everything as accurately as we can. And there's a lot of missteps, of course, but I'm very excited about the future. And I think there's been a lot of interesting mindsets that have shifted as a result of the crisis and will continue to shift. And I will be the first one to admit that I never saw myself as someone working remote. I have always liked in office culture. Mm. I don't know if a remote workforce is exactly what I had planned for my career, but I definitely (laughs) see pluses and minuses of it now. And I have learned a lot around the good that can come from being remote and the importance of connection in our personal lives. And I think all of us have connected more with family and friends and loved ones, whether that be virtually or in person as a Mm. result of the crisis. And I don't see us giving that up 100% to return to work. There will be more flexibility and work and life will be more blurred, but people will draw harder lines of, okay, look, now I'm with my family and at 5 p.m. I'm going to turn off my computer and I'm going to step away from my work desk if I'm working remotely and I'm going to go live my life. I absolutely resonate with that. And I actually caught up with a friend of mine who is one of the hardest working people I know. And she and I caught up and she was like, you know, this lockdown and this pandemic has given me a different perspective and more appreciation for my family and my friends and the connections that I've made over the last number of years, personal connections. I think this is actually a really healthy thing. And she completely went 180 on her mindset around work versus life. So that was really interesting. I think it's challenged a lot of leaders in terms of the work-life balance. I think if you're a CEO, sales executive, revenue executive, or just if you are an executive at all and you're forced to think about business, you Mm -hmm. obviously want the team to be productive. You want them to be working in a remote environment. It changes the way in which you manage. And Mm -hmm. used to, you manage by seeing people in the office, seeing people at their desk, seeing people working. And as they move to a remote environment where you have less control over their physical being in the office and their physical presence, you know, it challenges the way you think as a manager. And I definitely will say I experienced that firsthand. It it was very challenging to feel connected to my direct reports. And I still don't think I have a hundred percent got it right. I communicate with them via Slack and email and we have our weekly check-in and we have our weekly team meeting, but I still will go two days and have only Slack them back and forth and be like, wait, they feel disconnected from me. And it challenges the way in which I've thought of management and the way in which everyone's thought of management. Because when you have one or two remote employees, or, you know, as I mentioned, we have five remote employees, you you can really make sure that those five people feel supported. But when everyone's remote, while everyone's in the same boat, it becomes a lot more challenging. And it questions the way in which you behave, particularly as a manager, and particularly Mm -hmm. as a business executive. And it it draws out your natural instinct to babysit and it draws out your natural instinct to want to make sure that people are being productive. And 
people are being happy and, you know, you kind of get parental over everybody because one, you're worried about their personal lives. You're worried about them as people. You feel responsible for them in many ways. You feel responsible for their job, responsible for their responsibilities, responsible for their happiness and their overall protection during a crisis. And so you really start over-indexing. And that's something I definitely was guilty of, particularly as a people person who's extremely empathetic and can let my empathy get the best of me sometimes. I was struggling to see our team struggle and to feel so instantly disconnected from everybody as a result of not being in office. And I think it's challenged the way in which I see productivity, the way in which I see morale, the way in which I see work in general. And it's been a positive thing for me in the sense that it's really pushed me to think differently and pushed me to lean on data more as a HR person when it comes to morale and engagement and not lead as much with the gut or with the heart and just the feeling of seeing people and feeling people. It's challenged me to think more business-minded just as the economy has gone a little bit differently. Being a hyper-growth company that's just off of our Series B, we have a lot of runway. And so we can right. make we can make some mistakes. We could take some risk before that, given economic uncertainty, might not be as wise to do. And so it really pushes us to think more holistically and slow down enough to really think about everything. From a company perspective, it really pushes us to put our money where our mouth is in terms of our culture. Our culture just can't be hanging around a bar and grabbing a drink. It can't be <laughs> right. It can't be cold brew. It has to be connection. And one of our core values is inclusion. And we have to prove that we are inclusive, particularly in a remote environment where mm -hmm. more likely than not, the people that are left out of the conversation are either the quietest or the people that are from marginalized groups naturally. Mm -hmm. And so it really challenges you as a leader to make sure that you are being inclusive and that you're hearing every voice and you're hearing from every team and you're not just siloing. And I think that's something that is really exciting about the future, but the question mark. We've seen cross-team collaboration decrease slightly, just given mm -hmm. that cross-team collaboration probably happens more casually than it does formally. And so we were seeing that from our product and client side. Obviously, those two sides used to work very, very closely together when it came to our product roadmap and what clients were asking for. And we saw that early on, they weren't having as much of a feedback loop. Now we've set up more weekly meetings in an effort to encourage that to make sure yeah. that it's happening remotely. You got to be proactive. Yeah, absolutely. So one last question for you, showing your social connections and your culture within a physical environment sometimes can play a big role in recruiting and onboarding. Now, how do you do that effectively in a remote environment? You're asking all the right questions, and I don't know <laughs> if I have the exact answer as a company that is still hiring, and, and we've actually hired three people during mm. the crisis. It definitely, I think, requires a different type of candidate to want to take a job during a remote environment. If they are expected to return to the office at some point in the future, it might be weird to have never seen the office, never been to the office. It's an interesting experience for the candidate. And so we've really done the work on our end to try to make sure that we paint the picture as much as possible as to what life normally looks like in our office and then what life looks like remote. What that means is showing them pictures of our office. We have like a video of our office that we can send them so they can kind of see it. They know where it's located. Mm. They know what's in the office when we, when like we have benefits or whatever in the office when it comes to our kitchen or whatever that may be. And then we share with them on a high level what we're doing remotely in terms of connection, what we're doing remotely in terms of benefits, what what our response to COVID has been. 
And then just having them meet more people than we typically would have them meet without scheduling too many meetings. What that means is just really making sure that the interview panel is an inclusive panel of people that they would likely work with at, at our company. So if it's an engineering person, for example, and they're working on the data team, having them obviously meet the, the data lead, but then also having them meet every other engineering lead so they get a taste of what the engineering culture is. We hired someone on our marketing team remotely as well, and so we had him meet every every person that worked on the marketing team. Now, granted, we're a small company, so that was only five people, but he was able to see the different avenues. We have a community person. We have a comms person. We have a demand gen person. We have a product marketer. You know, We have all these different functions, and so he was able to see each function, making sure that the story is clear and cohesive and more thought out than before is what we've seen work really well. And awesome. just loosen up and I think make sure that our interviews are looser and more conversational. You know, we're in Zoom, we're in our living rooms, you're in your office, you're, <laughs> right. you're on the beach, like we can't take life too seriously. And so just encouraging the interview process to be a little bit looser and more flexible is something I've really encouraged my team to do. That makes a lot of sense. Well, this has been extremely helpful. Um, I have one very last fun question for you. What is your favorite virtual activity? So I have been playing a lot of The Sims. During my hour-long break, I often play The Sims for an hour. Sometimes I've actually, I'm one of those fiddlers. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right term. I'm, I'm from Mississippi, but I like basically I fidget when I'm meeting. So like I'll flick a pen and move mm-hmm. it all around. And so like that helps me think and focus, but it's really distracting in the office. So I've been able to hide it a little bit more, but there have been times that I've even been in like brainstorm meetings and I've been playing the Sims while brainstorm meeting and it's helped me invigorate. So I have to admit that I've, I've also done it a little bit with work, but mostly during the break. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's awesome. It's nice yeah. to build a life outside of my own, you know, think, think of a truly, yeah, it's like a real escape. Exactly. It's a true escape during this time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Garrison, thank you for your time again. You know, I really appreciate it. Where can the audience find you in your thought leadership? Thanks for having me. Um, obviously, anyone can find me on LinkedIn, just Garrison Gibbons. I'm also on Twitter, at Garrison Gibbons, and my website, www.garrisongibbons.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out our other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Thanks, Garrison.